0: If you enjoy podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Medicine in America, hosted by Anthony Manson and Todd Harrington, shares the stories of physicians, other healthcare professionals, and industry leaders who are changing the way we deliver care. There's an episode that you should check out called Primary Care Reimagined with Subscription-Based Preventative Care Model. It's an inspiring call for a paradigm shift in primary care. All of their episodes highlight innovative ideas at the forefront of the movement to transform our healthcare system. Check out Medicine in America on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com. dot do
1: better
2: Hey, Better Nation, welcome to a brand new episode of Better with Dr. Erica. And this episode features a discussion about mental health and turning pain into purpose. Now, my special guest is Shanti Das, and you're going to love her. She's a dynamic mental health advocate, music industry veteran, and change maker. Her story is so special that you will definitely learn something by hearing for it. Now, you might be wondering what questions we're going to answer in this episode. So let me tell you. Number one, how does someone dying by suicide impact their loved ones? Number two, what are some ways to find purpose from pain? Number three, how can you advocate for mental health? And number four, how can you be an ally for those impacted by mental health challenges? Whether you've been struggling with your own mental health, looking to protect your mental health, supporting the mental health of those around you, or looking for ways to pivot from your career, there is something for you in this episode. So you need to stay tuned till the very end. You won't regret it. Now, one more quick thing. You're going to hear some shareable moments. So let me tell you how we do it in Better Nation. All you have to do is post on social media with the hashtag Better Nation. Isn't that simple? Now, before I just keep rambling, I'm going to just stop and say, let's get to the show.
1: Better with Dr. Erica.
2: Hey, y'all, it's Dr. Erica and welcome to another episode of Better with Dr. Erica. And I'm so excited to have my guest on today because literally I was just in the car with a good friend of mine and we were... Talking about how spending college, I, as you all, some of you may know, some of you may not know, I came to Atlanta for college and stayed for quite some time, left and then came back. So my formative years, some were in St. Louis and somewhere in, as they say, the A or the Dirty South. So today I have a representative <laughs> that is straight from the Dirty South. Before I just start going on a super tangent because I feel I'm in a tangential mood today. I'm not going to do that to y'all yet but I'm not going to make any promises. It could happen again later. I'm so excited. As I said, this season, we are not reading full bios. It is not my ministry, but I promise I am not hooked on phonics. I can actually read. (laughs) I have degrees. Reading is fundamental, but what I'm going to do is tell you just a little bit about my guest, and then I'm going to let her take it over because nobody can tell you about Shanti like Shanti. Now, my guest today is Shanti Doss. Now, I have a couple things to say about her. Number one, she is a fierce mental health advocate um, in a way that you're going to learn is extremely comprehensive. There are people that say they're mental health advocates, and then there are people that are mental health advocates, and she is 100% definitely a mental health advocate. She's a music industry veteran and a change maker, and one of the biggest things about her is that not only is she approachable and relatable, but she is super passionate, and you're going to hear all about it today.
1: So Shanti, can you tell the people a little bit about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, thank you so much, Dr. Erica Goodwin. I like to finally call you Dr. Erica. Um, I just am so in awe of all that you do and appreciate you supporting me and my mission um, for the last few years. So yes, I am from the A. I am an original alien. Born and raised on the south side of Atlanta. I went to Syracuse University to major in television, radio, and film. But I caught the music industry bug. I thought I wanted to be like a broadcast journalist or radio announcer and ended up working in the music business. And so I got my first gig interning while I was a sophomore at Syracuse. Um, Back home in Atlanta during the summers, I interned at Capitol Records. And then just four months after graduation, I got my first job at LaFace Records. And the very first record I worked was Outcast Players Ball. Didn't get any better than that. That was a I dream know. come true for a young girl from the A. And it was the first time I felt like Atlanta was really being represented in terms of like landmarks and things we did and culture in the city um, on music on wax and in music. And so that was really awesome. And I also hit the road with Tony Braxton that year and set up her meet and greet. So I was doing a lot of the promotions for her. I did a lot of the promotions early on for Usher and uh gosh so many others and i worked my way up from intern to executive vice president over a like a 20-year stint in the music business moved up to new york city in 2000 and worked for arista records and columbia records and got to work with artists like jagged edge and jermaine dupree and life jennings vivian green even got to work with prince and Then moved over to Universal Motown, worked with Ashanti, Erica Badu, Busta Rhymes, just some really cool artists in in urban and pop culture. And so, yeah, that was my journey in the music business. Um, But, you know, and I know we'll get into more of this, you know, when I was seven months old, um, my dad took his own life and that was really tough on our family. So had a storied career, but definitely had a lot of unresolved trauma that began to manifest itself as I got older.
2: Well, wow. I mean, I, I feel like we're going to have so much to talk about.
1: And did you hear? She literally worked
2: with the entire soundtrack of my, of my college. Year. It's like, I just, I always remember um, for all of y'all that don't know me in regular life. Um, one of the things I'm very much known for is I'm the person that no matter how long I hear a song, I never know all the lyrics. It's probably like two songs I can do. Children's story. And there may be one other song that I don't know what it is that I can actually do all the words. I'm the person that never knows all the words. Now, my closest friends are the people I remember when No Scrubs came out. Mm-hmm. They heard their song once on, um, we'll give a shout out to the AV103. Yes. And knew all the words immediately. <laughs> and then yesterday, my good friend was here, one of the ones that knew all the words immediately. And she was in my passenger seat. And she's like, you know, I'm in the passenger <laughs> passenger side of my best, best friend's, friend's
1: ride. ride. <laughs> I and I was
2: like, but but nobody <laughs> was trying to holler at you right now. We're driving down <laughs> Albie Road. Um, all that to say is I'm just so excited to have you on. And one of the things you're gonna want to stay on for this entire episode because Shanti just she just has so many nuggets. Aww. If if I was if I was all about the clubhouse still, I'd be like, and yeah, she's dropping gems. But you all know I. I feel like I say it in jest because I just was like, I can't tolerate, I can't drop no gems. <laughs> <laughs> no, no gem drop it. we're just going to drop knowledge. Um, but we'll go ahead and get into this um, because as I said, today I just feel like I am prone to being tangential, but I'm going to embrace it because I feel like that's one of the best things we can do for our mental health is just embrace, <laughs> embrace where we are in the moment. And, and you're going to get all of me in the moment today. So I, I hope you're okay with that, Shanti. I am so here for all of it. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I'm here for everything. So <laughs> what I'd love to talk about is you, you started talking about this, this, just, this intriguing career um, in the music industry and all of these um, accomplishments and things that you've done can you start telling us kind of about that jump or transition from being a music industry executive into becoming a mental health advocate?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And um, it's a little bit of a, a long journey if you will, in that regard. Um, I I think it's important to note that when I first moved to New York city, it was in the year 2000 and uh, it was my first time in a really big city and I had about eight year, eight and a half years into the industry by then, and had worked with some great artists and had accomplished a lot of wonderful things. When I moved up there, though, this new company was larger; it was more corporate, mm-hmm. and so I had to deal with a lot more politics. So that was the first time that I think I had really experienced like um, adversity in the workplace, and it was it was tough on me. My boss was very condescending. It was a bit of a toxic environment. Mm-hmm um my upper trajectory had stalled out a bit cuz I felt like I deserved to be vice president and they brought me in as senior director so it was just a lot going on and i remember having like a just like a emotional breakdown at the airport i was crying and i was just unhappy and you know my sister was like well if this is not what you want you know do something about it and I just let my emotions get the best of me. And then I remember at home that night, I told my boyfriend, I was like, I can't take this anymore. Maybe I should just kill myself. I've worked so hard. And, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes, you know, adults and teens throw out that phrase, maybe I should just kill Mm -hmm. myself. But for me, it just scared me that I even said that because my dad died Mm -hmm. by suicide. It was always something in the back of my head that I thought, well, when the going got tough, is that something that I would say or try to do? And so um, that's the first time I went to counseling as an as a child or an adult. Um, and it was the first time that I was able to kind of unpack some of those layers of the trauma of my dad's suicide. So I did that for about two or three months. Things got better <clears throat> for the time being. And then I just kind of thrust myself back into work. So okay. we're talking about like for another, you know. Seven or eight years, I just go, you know, full speed ahead on and off planes, running, you know, marketing divisions at a lot of these major corporations. So my career went from Arista to Columbia to Universal Motown Records, and it was in 2009 where I was really at the top of my game. I was executive vice president of marketing at Universal Motown um, for most of the urban artists and. I was just stressed out. I was coming into the office. I wasn't happy. I was taking naps during the day. That's just not who I am. You know, I really always took, you know, my work very serious and was a great worker and team player, but I was just going into the office. I was miserable. Um, I was dealing with some some health issues that were now, I know, a du- direct result of stress. And then my mom had developed Alzheimer's, so I felt bad that, you know, all of that was kind of falling on my sister back home down south. And um, it, it was just a lot of pressure. And so I ended up quitting and walking away from my career, um, which was very difficult. Um, but I went home for my family as well as my own personal mental and physical health issues. I was not diagnosed, quote unquote, with depression then, but I knew something wasn't right. Right, I saw the signs and symptoms. Yep. And when it manifested in an, into a physical health issue, and he said it was direct result of stress, I knew you know what was really going on then. So, came back home, things were okay for a couple years. I was taking some time off. And then, you know, how you're home for a while, you question what you had done. I felt like I had walked away from this career that I had built and had worked so hard for. So then that started me kind of dealing with anxiety and questioning myself and kind of getting depressed from that a little bit. And then in 2015 about three and a half years later, four years later, my best friend took her own life. And I had talked to her the day before it happened. And that really put me on my back. I mean, I blamed myself and tried to figure out what did I miss? What were the signs? What were the symptoms? Because I wasn't, you know, this mental health advocate at the time. And I was still dealing with with some of my own issues, but didn't know what to call it. And so long story short, that next year just kind of Went into I went into a downward spiral, if you will, but I was still functioning. You know, I was you know doing the live event in Atlanta. I was still doing some consulting, but I was really in a lot of pain when I was, especially when I was by myself and wasn't going to counseling, wasn't talking to anyone, just none of that. So almost a year later after that, I considered heavily considered taking my own life. I had counted Mm -hmm. up all the pills in my medicine cabinet and. Came really close to doing that. And I didn't want to die. I just wanted the pain to go away. And once I had kind of hit rock bottom, if you will, my sister encouraged me to call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline that night. And I did it. 1-800-273-TALK. Now we have 988. And I also texted my pastor who convinced me. He was like, you know, we'll pray together, but you actually need to get help. You really need to go to the doctor, right? It's faith, have faith in therapy, yeah. as they say. And so I didn't go straight into talk therapy, but I did call my primary healthcare physician who uh, referred me to a psychiatrist. And um I got on my antidepressants, and it's funny, before we started this podcast episode, I didn't realize that a lot of psychiatrists do both, you know, talk therapy and mm-hmm. prescribe medication. And so The lady that I saw was great, but really she just kind of prescribed the medication for me. And I stayed on those antidepressants for about maybe four months. I had to decrease Mm -hmm. the dosage a little bit because at first I didn't like how it was making me feel. And then I just started openly talking about it. I don't know why I fell into this, you know, uh, journey of just openly talking about it on social media. But then I realized a lot of my artists that I had worked with, a lot of colleagues, they were really supportive. And I thought, OK, this is in 2015 when, you know, way before the pandemic, nobody was really talking about it as much. And, you know, it was positive feedback and, you know, very much from a place of empathy and not sympathy. And so I started a hashtag, Silence Shame, and started doing postings here and there. We did a a soft launch of the the, uh, movement, if you will, in 2016. I got Nick Cannon, um, the TV host and and musician Mm -hmm. to do a PSA for us. I did some press around it. And so that was pretty good. And I was still trying to figure out what to do with it. And then I ended up meeting several other ladies who had experienced either like someone in their family who had taken their own life or someone in their family who had attempted. And they love the idea of this movement, especially in communities of color. So they came on board and started helping. And then in 2015, we uh, in the month of May, which is Mental Health Awareness Month, I said, I'm just going to make May 5th National Silence of Shame Day and see if people will post about it on social media. So we created this little graphic. That said National Silence of Shame Day or Global mm-hmm. Silence of Shame Day or something. We got 90 million impressions in one day. Wow. I was like, okay, wait, what now? <laughs> I was like just blown away by all the people that supported us. So we ended up applying to the National Day Register. And now May 5th is actually National Silence of Shame Day forever and ever and ever. We got accepted. Wow. Yeah. So I was like, okay, we got our own day. Now I need to start an organization. So the foundation that I had started, because I was doing a lot of other things in the community, feeding the homeless, backpack drives, and that sort of thing. So I had started uh, my nonprofit under the brand, the Hip Hop Professional Foundation, because that was my brand as a woman growing up in hip hop. I had written a book about my music career. And so because Silence of Shames already taken off so much, my board of of directors was like, you really need to change the name of the organization to sounds a shame because that's, that's where the need is for the community. And so we did. And and here we are later. We're five years in with our 501c3. I speak and share my story nationally and globally. And I mean, it really has like been a labor of love, but it is something, to your point early, I'm very passionate about this work. Um, if I can save one life, if I can save thousands of lives, that's why I do what I do. And I finally got into a place where I have forgiven my father for his suicide. I'm at peace with my best friend's suicide. Um, Of course, not happy about either of them, but I have found pathways forward um, to be able to heal um, and to move forward and do this work. Can I
2: just say, I wish I could give you a big hug through here. So at some point we actually have to see each other in person so I can give you a hug.
1: Oh, thank you. Yeah, I would love to see you in person too. I was like, I, I just feel, I feel
2: all the warm and fuzzies. And and I'd love to call the audience's attention to a few different things you said, because you said so many things that were so powerful. The first, if you notice the language that Shanti used when talking about suicide, that now we say died by suicide or death by suicide instead of committed suicide. You might be wondering, why are people not saying that? Or why is it a problem? And there started to become discussions, especially as we've all worked to become more empathic around mental health, about how commit has such a judgmental flavor to it. Mm -hmm. Like you commit a crime, like someone did something wrong and looking at suicide as part of an illness Mm -hmm. so that we start removing the judgment of what happens to people So um, just as we work to be allies in so many other areas of our life, that really being a mental health ally, I want to encourage you to work on using that language instead of saying people committed suicide. Um, There is something, you know, you said so many things that were really powerful, and I'm not going to sit here and literally re-say every (laughs) single thing you said, but I, I think there's a lot of power in your narrative, especially in this current time we're at, when you started talking about feeling like you're either, you know, your work environment, I think there's a lot of power in your narrative, especially in this current time we're at, when you started talking about feeling like you're either, you know, your work environment was toxic, feeling overwhelmed, crying, being tired. I bet a lot of my listeners <laughs> have been feeling that lately. You know, there is a huge issue right now with workplace stress, mm-hmm. just feeling overwhelmed, dealing with just the having the emotional and mental capacity to deal with all the things that's going on.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: so many people that have been in these work environments that feel toxic and people feel undervalued and unseen, which is extremely common, especially for people in, um, I'll say it, African-American communities and women, but there are plenty Mm -hmm. of other people that had these experiences. But Mm -hmm. um, just, I I love how your narrative pulls together that in a way that's authentic. And I really believe that a huge part of why Shanti's voice resonates with so many people is the authenticity underneath it. Like As you learn more about Silence the Shame, it's It's a grassroots effort. Yeah. Like if you know Shanti, it's not... Shanti was a music industry executive, then decided to do Silence the Shame, hired a million people that did stuff, and she sat up in a C-suite office while they did it. (laughs) I wish. (laughs) Better with Dr. Erica. It's time for Ask Dr. Erica. Now, I was recently recording a podcast episode, and my guest asked whether psychiatrists do talk therapy and it's a common myth that psychiatrists only prescribe medication because you know one of the things i hear all the time is hey i want to see a psychiatrist because i don't want to be doped up i don't want to be zombified all of those things so let me let me answer the question let me just bust this myth right now psychiatrists are medical doctors so we do go to medical school we're trained to prescribe medication and to provide psychotherapy so we can also use them in combination where we do medication management and therapy. I even have quite a few patients in my own private practice that I only do therapy with. So now you know, psychiatrists do more than prescribe medication and can do therapy. So we are an option for your mental health needs. So back to the show. Better
1: with Dr. Erica.
2: It's it is a true Grassroots movement. If you see her and know her, I'm gonna do a spoiler. She she makes the coolest kind of customized. <laughs> and now I guess now they'd say in fashion they call it upcycling. Yes, <laughs> and she does upcycling with things that have silenced the shame on them. It's super. It's super cool. And when you see her, you can definitely tell she's a creative. But I I think one of the things that's so important to bring out of your narrative is the ability that sometimes something hits you that's inspiration Mm -hmm. or, or maybe quietly the universe or your, however your spiritual situation is set up Mm -hmm. giving you nudges to nudge you either towards your purpose or nudging you to another
1: way to manifest and act in your purpose. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. I will say that, you know, again, this started from a complete place of pain I didn't know what was coming next. My money was funny. My mom had Alzheimer's. You know, it was just a lot going on. And, you know, two years into having the 501c3, I lost my sister, my best friend. And I'm going to try not to get emotional, but this morning is heavy on my heart. Um, You talked about talking to your parents every day, all the time. So that was me and my sister. You know, we talked five, six Mm -hmm. times a day. And, you know, to have to deal with, like, the biggest tragedy of my life, losing her unexpectedly. And then our mom having Alzheimer's and that, you know, then falling on me. And it's been a lot. It's been a lot of pain on top of pain on top of pain. And, you know, we, we got our first grant in 2017 from Jack and Jill. Shout out to Jack and Jill of America Foundation. We did a seven city team mental health tour, but it was just grinding. You know, we didn't have a full board of directors. It eventually grew, and you know, it was just myself and a young lady named Cameron Triplett who was with me from day one. And then we had a a really strong volunteer committee who helped. But again, these are people that were just volunteering time that they could. And then Jewel Gooding, who is now our executive director, was at another organization she became our board chair and she really poured into us just because she believed in you know what i was doing and believed in the movement but it has been a labor of love it has been a struggle it has been so hard trying to get us to a point where we can get these grants and now you know jewel as our executive director has really been able to come over and help us you know grow the company in ways that i couldn't have done before because i don't come from, from a nonprofit space and doing mental health programs and that sort of thing. That wasn't my forte, but I do, mm-hmm. to your point, I knew I had the passion. I knew I had the creativity. And I knew I had a way of, it's almost as if I was bringing people into my living room, if you will, of my life mm-hmm. and really being vulnerable and opening up. And um, I feel like, you know, I am very spiritual. I, you know, I, b- I believe in God and I believe in Jesus. You know, those are the, you know, my, teachings and faith that i believe in and they have really brought us to a point where now doors are starting to open people are recognizing our work Um, we're really getting on point as even though we're still grassroots you know we are a small but mighty organization out here really trying to serve vulnerable populations and communities and do the important work Um, we just recently partnered one of our board members is uh, works at microsoft and he um, nominated us to be a part of a global hackathon for Microsoft, and we won to be a part of it. So Microsoft is building us an app. So we're gonna have a Silence oh, the Shame wow. app, and they're revamping our website, and you know a lot of really exciting things going on as we continue to try to raise money and do this work. Because again, it is not easy. It seems like a lot of the same larger organizations get all the grants, get the funding, but. That's not going to stop me. I'm determined to make this a global success. You know, I feel like, you know, the, the millions of dollars are coming in and we can be able to have access to <clears throat> more resources, to to bring more staff to the team, to do more programming um, that can really make a meaningful impact and more importantly, save lives.
2: And that's it. At At the end of the day, this type of work, the goal is to save lives. -hmm. And and naturally, along with saving lives, I feel like it's it's the saving lives as far as one end is people not dying. Mm -hmm. The other part of saving lives is improving people's quality of life to the point where they feel like they're actually living. Mm -hmm. Because as a psychiatrist that's done this work for it's hard for me to say how many years because then I feel like I might sound old. Mm -hmm. Twenty years, but (laughs) having done for a a You're still very young. time and um, having a career as a traveling psychiatrist working all over the country is is seeing how many people's lives are robbed of time where it's they're technically alive but I think everyone has seen that person that is struggling and and not feeling well and is almost dead in their eyes and they're literally just surviving and I, I feel like one of the things that your work, the work I do, and the people in the mental health community, the work that all of us do together, is to improve quality of life so people make it past surviving, and so that the life they're living, they're actually living. Absolutely. Um, Because you can't get time back, and that's one of the things that really inspired me to work and become a psychiatrist, even though some of you know the story that I became a psychiatrist through an epiphany. Apparently, God likes to tell me what to do. And I do fine when I listen. I don't do well when I don't listen. Um, he doesn't give me nudges. He punches me in the stomach when I don't listen. is <laughs> bad. Um, but it's it's a kind of work that really changes lives.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And I just want to applaud you for being brave enough to step out on faith to commit yourself to this type of work when it was doing something totally new and different, and not only was it new and different, that you literally were emotionally naked for the world to see to champion this cause. Because part of the reason I think your cause has resonated and has moved so well is because of your own transparency, Thank you.
1: Um, I like that term emotionally naked. I may have to borrow that from you because <laughs> that certainly was who I was and have been. And, and I still am that person um, because I feel like. To your point, like if I want to do this work and try to get buy in from people who are hurting, i got to let them in and see how I'm hurting or have been hurting. and And even like this, just this grief process has been really hard on me. And the same thing, I was very vulnerable um, publicly when I would share and talk about my grief journey on any given day. You can turn on my Instagram and you might, you know, see a cute picture. You might get an ugly cry at the same time and a long story about how I'm feeling that day. And so and then I think when the pandemic hit, so many of us had to sit in our emotions, right, and deal with things for the first time. And so I had some people reach out to me and go, oh, I get it now, like, you know, I can't say I feel like you were feeling every single day, but I get it now. Um, So we're back to normal now, you know, quasi back to normal somewhat. But um, I'm hoping that, you know, the the moment of wellness and mental health that we're in right now and that people are recognizing the challenges that people have been facing for quite some time. But I think is really in the public limelight from a federal to state level, local, global initiative that, you know, we don't just talk about mental health this year and then 2023, you know, everything quiets down. It's still so much work to be done. Even though we're talking about it more, there's still just a lack of resources, lack of access to care. Stigma is still very real and very prevalent in so many of our communities. Um, and so, yeah, it's a lot of work to be done, but it's an honor and a privilege to be able to do this work. And um, some days it's discouraging, you know, because people look at us as a nonprofit and I'm like, but we're still a business. We still have to hire staff. We still have to have unrestricted funds to be able to run the organization. There's no way around it. You can't just, you know, donate to a nonprofit but not have money to run the organization because you won't have anybody to build out the programs. And so there's still a struggle sometimes to try to find donors and i'm i'm hoping and praying that maybe some of those folks i work with in music who might have access to how networked individuals will you know find a jeff Bezos to say here take these 10 20 million dollars and go be great yeah. and i'm just putting it out there i still feel like the blessings are out there for us but until then we will keep pushing and, and doing the work that we can with what we have and and trying to make a positive impact and this work is so
2: important. And I, I honestly, I'm one of those people that, in my regular life, I'm very hopeful mm-hmm. and joyful. Um, but when it comes to healthcare, I'm very realistic and grounded. And I, I think, given the mental health crisis that we're having, the mental health conversation is going to continue for a couple of different reasons. Mm-hmm. One is people were struggling pre-pandemic. Mm-hmm. I mean, the struggle buses won't hold all the people on the struggle bus anymore Mm -hmm. um, from Mm -hmm. what's happened in the pandemic and the influx of people that either had been in services and left services or were coming to mental health services for the first time Mm -hmm. have overloaded a system that already had a workforce issue that was extremely significant. Mm -hmm. There are people and organizations that I've worked with that the wait list for a therapist is one to two years. Wow, there are some people whose wait lists are 6 months to a year. I know a lot of people that are are closed. And mm-hmm. I I think one of the one of the spaces that your organization and the work I do comes in is trying to help people figure out how to negotiate the system. Mm-hmm. Because I wish it was something as easy as you said. I just want to see a mental health care person and you'd get one uh, magically and you you just go <laughs> right? to one building and and then they are there and that's just not <laughs> mm-hmm. that's, that's not the case. And it, it mm-hmm. takes a, a level of understanding of the system, unfortunately, to get the care that you need. Mm-hmm. But I also want to hold space for the theme of grief that's come out in this conversation. Mm-hmm. And there are so many people out there that are listening that are, are grieving for so many reasons. You know, yeah. we've, we've lost people in the pandemic to COVID, but people didn't stop dying from other reasons. And especially earlier in the pandemic, People were dying from things that they usually wouldn't die for because people wouldn't go to the hospital. Mm -hmm. But you know, people are grieving their jobs, they're grieving their financial station. Mm -hmm. There are so many people whose relationships died in the pandemic, so they're grieving relationships, they're grieving Mm -hmm. identity. Absolutely, there there is so much grief, and I love the fact that you're bringing out the fact that grief isn't always linear. It's not always this path of, it hurts today. And then at some point, it's just going to be great. And it's going to be linear. And it's going to be less and less every day. And just putting a real face on the fact that dealing with grief isn't linear. But I also want to hold space for, you know, part of the theme of this conversation is finding passion and purpose through pain. Mm Mm-hmm. But I also want to give all of you out there listening permission, and also give you permission. Sometimes Shanti is sometimes pain is pain. Yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> there 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 are times where you may be on the struggle bus and you may not feel well, and it maybe you mostly don't feel well. It maybe you physically don't feel well, and you just need to pause and actually take care of you. And it may not be the time we're going to have the highest level of productivity,
1: mm-hmm. or
2: save the world, or or do something that is life changing and it's okay if sometimes pain is pain and you have to just focus on healing and focus on focusing on healing shows up for you as totally focusing on yourself and not doing some major thing and i just want to give right. you permission that that's okay too and a lot of the people you hear all of these stories you know especially once i started taking you know having business courses and stuff is that one of the things you see with a lot of successful people is they have a story and that story usually has some pain. right? But the part that there oftentimes isn't time to talk about when someone has five or 20 minutes to tell their story is that transition from pain to purpose, that it wasn't like, I was miserable that day and then I created an entire movement the next day. (laughs) Or then I created this humongous company the next day. it's There's a process. So I want, I want to give you permission to give yourself the space that sometimes the space of healing may not always be a space of creation.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. I'm living that every single day. I honor those words and I thank you. And I am a Pisces, so I'm sensitive <laughs> by nature. So let's just say if I feel like crying, I'll cry. Whatever. My sister, God bless her soul, used to be like, You're such a crybaby. And, you know, I'm like, That's who I am. And I'm embracing it. Um, But it is what it is. But I do give myself, you know, that grace and space to to let it out. Right. And, you know, literally had a staff meeting this morning at 10 o'clock virtually. And I was talking to um, a friend of another friend I just recently met. And we have, similar personalities and she's a sweet soul. And I was talking about my life and things and I was crying, like crying a lot. And I was like, "Okay, I got to pull myself together because I got a staff meeting, then I got to do this podcast. But it's just an emotional day for me today. But I'm honoring my feelings and allowing myself to go through to continue to go through that grieving process as best that I see fit.
2: And one of the things I think is huge is that all of us continue to work on creating safe spaces for other people and curating safe spaces for ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, Because one of the things when you were talking about, you know, some days, including today, being tough and feeling like crying and letting yourself cry, Mm -hmm. it makes me think of there's a book called um, Burnout. There's a subtitle, but I never remember the burnout. And it's by two twins. It's, um, I think it's, Emily, I wonder to think it's Emily and Amelia Nagoski, but you know, mm. I'll make sure in the, in the liner notes, I'll double check it and I'll put it in there is that they talked about how crying at times may actually help complete out the stress cycle. Mm. And I feel like there's the way our community is set up, especially the African-American community. And I hear parallels also a lot in the Latinx community is this limited vocabulary of ways of being able to express emotions that are acceptable. Mm. And in that limited vocabulary, and one of the things I think that when we have these conversations around privilege, especially white women, yes, I said it, is this permission to cry anywhere Mm. Um, and this flexibility to display emotion and it not be used as a weapon And Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the difficult things and one of the reasons there's so much need and work and you see this work in DE and I also Mm -hmm. is to work on creating safe spaces so that there's, people can actually present with what they have without it being used as a weapon.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm
2: -hmm. Because the emotional energy and capacity and that's been huge during the pandemic is people having issues with cognitive capacity and emotional capacity is how much capacity you actually use up trying to present okay when you're not okay. Mm-hmm. I'm not necessarily fall apart every single place you go and walk into the office and be crying and throwing stuff. Right. <laughs> but but just the amount of effort it takes to present perfectly. Cause mm-hmm. for a lot of people, especially when you're you're forward presenting either at work, Or to people you know that may not be like your best friend or or that person. And even on social media, there's this pressure, pressure to present perfect. And that uses sometimes a lot of capacity that could actually be used for your healing. But it's actually being used to forward present better than you are.
1: Better with Dr. Erica.
2: Better Nation is the community of people that follow the Better with Dr. Erica podcast that are like you and want to be better, do better, and live better. By becoming a member of Better Nation, you also get to receive member-only bonus content to put you officially in the inner circle. Show notes with timestamps so you don't have to search for your favorite moments and some bonus free coaching tools. So visit JoinBetterNation.com. That's JoinBetterNation.com to become a VIP and be a part of Better Nation.
1: Better with Dr. Erica. Better with
2: Dr. Erica. So, we've been talking about so many things. I'd love to shift into a conversation just a little bit more. Um, Shanti has a great book that I would highly recommend. I'm holding it in my hand right now, but you can't see it Um, called Silencing
1: My Shame. Can you tell the people a little bit about your book? Yeah. So I wrote the book in, I want to say 2018, just to, it's a short book. It's a quick read, but it's an accurate account of my mental health journey or my journey with around mental wellness, starting with my father's, um, suicide. When I first dealt with my first panic attack to, you know, my own suicidal ideation, my best friend. And then I, updated a little bit of it and added another chapter and re-released it in 2019 when my sister passed. So it's self-published. You can probably read it in an hour or two. Um, But it's, it's, it's my journey in my own words. And I put it out there myself. And sometimes I'll sell it if I'm doing speaking engagements or, you know, we'll give it away to corporations if they have me come in. And so, it's just was something I wanted to do. Even though I talked a lot about it, I just wanted to get it out on paper. Um, and, you know, I didn't have some fancy publishing house to, you know, put it out there, but I just, you know, launched it on my own. And I think you might like it if you, it's a quick read, but hopefully there's a lot of um, helpful information in there for folks.
2: I encourage all of you to check it out. I, one of the things I love about this book is is how Shanti puts forth her personal narrative in a way that there are actually usable lessons. So I, I think it can inspire you and give you some practical tips, along with giving you a window into someone else's experiences to help increase your ability to be empathic. And to be an ally on the mental health journey of those people around you. So I do highly recommend it. We will put a link in the um, description so you'll be able to find it too. Yay. I know. I know. I feel like we talked about so much that it's about time for us to switch over to the speed round. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. Yay. So question number one, and I can't wait to
1: hear what you say. What are your three favorite songs? Wow. One of my favorite songs is Purple Rain from Prince by far. Um, A song called Keep On by D-Train. He's an artist from Mm -hmm. the late 80s. Um, Mm -hmm. That song, Keep On, is really just like my motto. Um, And it encourages me to keep on no matter what life is throwing your way, just to keep on going. And then my third. Oh, gosh, I have so many. What would be another third? uh i like like 80s pop music um what is the name of this song i know this is supposed to be a, a quick round but i can't think of the name of it give me one second i'm gonna tell you oh the name no problem it. um so yeah i grew up listening to a lot of 80s pop music
2: um well that makes sense we we are are not the we are not the most youngest whippersnappers, so I think all of us had
1: some experience with '80s pop music since. Yes, I'm talking our- to the aunties and, and moms out there in the world.
2: Well, um, and you know, we we remember when there was no BET and all we could look at was MTV. So all of us had some relationship with "Pour Some Sugar
1: on Me" and "Journey" and. <laughs> But you know what? Maybe I'll do this. Maybe I, since I am also known as the hip hop professional, um, I would probably say um, Biggie. One more chance. It's one of oh, my right favorite now. songs. Yes, yeah, I'll give a. i will give I, you a I just
2: watched that um, Bad Boy documentary. Oh yeah, the other day. It was good. It was. It was very intriguing. I enjoyed it. Um, so the next question is what's one free, free thing that you do for self-care?
1: I take walks, love to walk. And now I'm a, I'm a fall weather girl. So now that the weather has broken, you know, really am excited to get back out there and get walking. Cause I'm also at an age where I'm having hot flashes. (laughs) So that's been a struggle for me. So I love being out when it's cool out.
2: Oh, it's been ridiculous. Like before, it was like if you didn't get out for a walk by 930, Mm
1: -hmm. you were just
2: done. Who, Who wants to walk outside when it's 90 something degrees?
1: Yeah, it's too much. But now it's good in the A. So, yeah. I
2: know. So what's something about you that most people don't know, but you do not have to go to the skeleton closet for this answer?
1: Hmm. Oh, I'm a weather buff. Um, I am obsessed with the weather, so I check the weather app. If I have friends that say, "Oh, I'm headed on a trip overseas," I check the weather ahead of time for them and let them know what it's going to be. And hurricane, um, Ian, you know, thoughts and prayers out to everyone yeah. that experience, you know, any tragedy. But I watch the weather channel like people watch ESPN. So, like, I I am obsessed with figuring out which the direction that the storm is heading in, how it oh, pivots. Wow. I would have like to have maybe been a meteorologist in, you know, another life, but I'm so obsessed with the weather.
2: Who knows? We we don't know <laughs> what the next
1: chapter's going to be. You might be the right? mental health meteorologist. <laughs> <laughs> you know. And the weather can actually affect how you feel sometimes. So yes, when it's sunny it's outside, hot. we know get those endorphins going, but get outside. Yeah. And
2: at some point we'll have a conversation about seasonal affective disorder. Okay. Yes. So the last one is what's something that has helped you get through the pandemic?
1: Uh, D nice point blank being able to um, convene with community online. A lot of my friends that I worked with in the entertainment industry, you know, just coming into those virtual spaces and I love to dance. So music of course makes me happy. I have a quote on my wall that says where words fail music speaks. And so being able to turn on and hear D-Nice or some of my other DJs who were on during the pandemic, that really helped me. And then I also started a a IG live talk show called Yeah Wellness that I did during the pandemic where I interviewed a lot of celebrities from Chuck D to Erica Campbell, uh, Tisha Campbell, Johnny Gill, Mm -hmm. Ralph Trezband, just a ton of folks about their own wellness. So that really kept me going, being able to talk to other people and see how they were navigating um, through wellness during that tough time period.
2: Oh, I I love that take on community. So we're near the end. So I want to ask you, what are your final takeaways for the audience?
1: Um, I would just, again, recommend that people honor their thoughts and feelings every single day because we feel different all throughout the day. But when you wake up in the mornings, try to start from a place of peace and calm, figure out some sort of wellness strategy or regimen that you can have every single day. I have started turning the TV. I used to sleep with the TV on, but now I'm putting it on a timer now so that I can rest well, because I know that also impacts my both mental Mm -hmm. and physical health the next day. So I wake up and try to pray and then, you know, watch the news to try to catch up and see what's going on nationally and globally. And then I start my day, but figuring out what works for you. Um, some people might work out or take walks or I take walks in the mornings too, but get a routine that you can try to stick to. No one's perfect, but even if you can stick to it, you know, say, you know, three to four times a week, I think that would be good in terms of trying to start that routine. Some people utilize wellness apps. It's a lot of great apps out there like mm-hmm. Calm and Headspace and just, I mean, so many others that came out of the pandemic soon. There will be a Signs for Shame app, as I mentioned. So incorporate wellness tools that can help you throughout the day. And just, again, something that we've talked about earlier, just give yourself grace and space each day and each moment to process through whatever you're going through. None of these feelings are permanent, but for some of us, we may need, may need medication. Some of us may need therapy. I will say also, if you haven't tried therapy, don't knock it till you try it. And it may take you some time to get the right fit, but it's just like dating. You're not going to stop dating. If you really want to be married or want to have a partner, a significant other, you're going to try if it's a priority for you. So try to consider making therapy a priority for yourself. And the last thing I just want to tell listeners is I am launching um, my own... Well, I've rebranded the name of my personal company, what I do on the side. And so my new company is called Mibo, M-I-B-O, M-I for mind, B-O for body. So I'm starting... My own podcast called the Mebo podcast, it's around around mind and body wellness. So we might talk about everything from mental health to diabetes, to heart disease, to hot flashes um, and (laughs) self-care and all. So I'll be interviewing influencers and celebrities and licensed professionals like yourself for that show. And then I'm launching a um, my wellness apparel line in October. So I'm excited about that. Oh, that
2: is all of the excitement. I just can't wait. Thank you. I really can't. It's a it's so a journey, let, but I'm grateful. Indeed. Can you let the people
1: know where they can find you if they want some more, Shanti? Yes, you can follow me at Instagram at ShantiDos404, at Twitter um, Meebo at ShantiDos404, follow Mebo at Global on Instagram, and my website is biz. You can purchase the book there. And also, if you want to book me as a speaker, I speak for major corporations as well as I'm in the process of booking a college speaking tour with a former NFL player. So we're going to talk about healthy ways to cope in sports and entertainment. So if you want us to come to your school, let us know. Um, So, yeah. And and if you want to donate to Silence to Shame, um, you can visit our website at www.silencetoshame.com or you can text the word silence to 707070
2: if you can't remember all of that or you're driving, it will be in the description. (laughs) The first thing I'd say is just thank you Shanti for taking time out of your busy
1: schedule just for us. So I want to just say thank thank you you for. I'm sorry it took so long. I know we were scheduled and then I did a sabbatical. I did my eat, pray live as I call it. And I worked remotely from London earlier this year, which really helped to save me. That's the other thing I'll just say. If, 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 find out what really ticks for you. Like travel was a big part of my wellness journey. And so even if I take small trips, I try to incorporate travel trips throughout the year because it's a great place of calm and peace for me.
2: Well, and I, I think that's a good spot that I'll just make one point as I talk about my final thoughts and takeaways is that one of the things we can do to be good humans is to give people space and grace. And, mm-hmm. you know, I honestly feel like this interview happened in the time it was designed. But also I have to be an advocate for when, when people, including yourself, need time to heal or potentially are feeling overextended because there's just too much. Mm-hmm. That I have to be an advocate of being okay with sometimes having to either Say no or reschedule things, and mm-hmm. I I feel like if I said what's my final thought and takeaway, it has changed from what I thought it was going to be. Is sometimes you have to listen to your mind, body, and your heart and your spirit. Amen. And when you listen, and your body says it needs a break, or your mind says it needs a break,
1: you need to take a break. Yes, that vacation time. Don't let it roll over. Take that vacation and taking a break
2: can look different for different people but sometimes mm-hmm. you have to as I say and also one of my colleagues Dr. LaKeisha who's also been on it, sometimes you got to you got to slow down to speed up mm-hmm. and i i want to encourage and give you permission that sometimes you just got to pause or or yes. stop a moment and use some boundaries and then go back to figuring out what are those things you need to do to heal and restore which may include your wellness team it may just be something where you need to just sit down somewhere for a while. Yes. But I, I I want you to start really listening to yourself because I think there's a space where our community and our culture is so is so based on pushing through and productivity mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. that it doesn't always leave space for healing and restoration.
1: Mm hmm.
2: So Agreed. that's what I got for you. So I want to say thank you for listening. You had a choice to listen to a million podcasts, probably literally, and you chose this one. So thanks for trusting myself to be in your ears and my guests. I want you to take good care of yourself and, and leave some space for yourself. We're going to continue to have conversations to help you find ways to make space for yourself because you know what? You are important. Um, If you like what you heard, do me a favor. Can you subscribe or follow the podcast? It helps me get even more guests and more information to you. Also, if you can, if you can rate and review, I would truly appreciate it. The next thing is please share. Don't let this be the best kept secret. You can share it with your checkout at Walmart, the Publix, because I'm in the South, your Uber driver, your Lyft (laughs) driver, your, your best friend, Pookie on the side of the road. You can just share the podcast. You know, everyone has a smartphone these days, even even everyone with a sign has a cash up on it. So, you know, just saying, but just be kind to yourself. Um, and just take care of yourself before we leave. Take your left hand, put it on your right arm, take your right hand, put it on your left arm, give yourself a big squeeze unless you were driving. I want you to be safe. Give yourself a squeeze when you get there. Um, but for now we are out. So until next time, have a better day. Find me on social media at Dr. Erica, D-O-C-T-O-R-E-R-I-C-K-A on all social media and online at betterthepodcast.com. That's betterthepodcast.com. If you like what you heard, tap on that subscribe or follow button, then click share and click rate and review. Now don't panic if you don't see rate and review. Sometimes it mainly shows up on Apple Podcasts and Audible. But I appreciate hearing your feedback. Check back weekly. For new episodes, they drop on Tuesday mornings. Until next time, be better, do better, live better.
1: Better with Dr. Erica.
0: If you enjoyed podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Medicine in America, hosted by Anthony Manson and Todd Harrington, shares the stories of physicians, other healthcare professionals, and industry leaders who are changing the way we deliver care. There's an episode that you should check out called Primary Care Reimagined with Subscription-Based Preventative Care Model. It's an inspiring call for a paradigm shift in primary care. All of their episodes highlight innovative ideas at the forefront of the movement to transform our healthcare system. Check out Medicine in America on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com.